In the name of one God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, good morning. morning. Curious if this has happened to you ever or recently, as it has to me. Last week, I pulled a checkbook out to write a check, and I got the month and the day right, but I put 2018. Has that happened to you? If I tell you, here we are in a few weeks about to finish the first quarter of 2019, do you feel like you're just going in, in our culture, just going at too fast of a pace? Well, last Wednesday, we began the, with Ash Wednesday this liturgical season of Lent. And this is a great gift of the church, a tradition of the church, which begs us and allows us to slow down. And we get to reorient our lives to, on the journey into the grave with Christ as he was hung on the cross and then followed by the glory that comes with Easter and his resurrection. This is what the season of Lent allows us to slow down, join Christ on his journey to the cross, and to allow him, if we battle him on many regular things, into our journey, to die to ourselves on this journey of Lent to the cross. To do that this morning, on this first Sunday of Lent, we have the gospel in Luke of the three temptations of Christ. So for the rest of our time in the sermon, I want to look at what those three temptations are with Jesus by Satan himself and see what's actually going on. And then I want to to put those three temptations up against our lives, our spiritual walks here on the first Sunday of Lent as we join Christ on the journey to the the suffering of Good Friday, the cross, and ultimately his resurrection. So what do we have here? Jesus, freshly off of being baptized, is led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, where he fasts for 40 days, has no food for 40 days. Put yourself in his shoes. Can you imagine 40 days of none of that food that you like to eat? I once upon a time did it for 72 hours. Went on a camp out which I was challenged to pray and fast no food for 72 hours. And the first thing when I saw civilization again after camping, I was looking for that bacon cheeseburger. I was famished after 72 hours. In our text today, we hear Jesus 40 days is famished, and he is at one of his weakest points as he comes out of the wilderness. The fast is over, and we hear Satan comes on the scene and meets him with this first temptation. Now, we got to know at this point, after Jesus has been baptized His ministry on earth becomes pretty laser-focused. He is all about his journey to Jerusalem to face his cross and ultimately for his resurrection to forgive the sins of us all, to make us all clean. He does a number of things that are on the periphery, but this is his laser focus, his mission, what he came to earth to accomplish. And 
as he is preparing for that with this season in the wilderness and then heading to the suffering of Good Friday, Satan meets him with this first of temptations. And he says, hey, why don't we throw a distraction at you? And why don't we step off over here as you're on your way to Jerusalem and let's make some bread? And if not miraculously, if nothing else. Now, this confuses us a little bit because it would be one thing if Jesus was still in that 40-day fast and Satan tempted him, here's some bread, eat, fail your fast. But that's not what is going on. It is much theologically deeper than that. The heart of this first temptation by Satan to Jesus is let's take something good, in this case bread, and let's make it ultimate in your life. Let you have a real appetite and in your weakness, the temptation is to put something ultimate in your life, to derail this mission on the way to Jerusalem and your cross. And of course, Jesus doesn't fall for it and answers it with scripture and we're on to the next temptation. The second of the temptations by Satan is the heart of it is really about power seeking ultimate power and control. As Satan takes Jesus to the top of the temple, the pinnacle, and says, all of these kingdoms of the world I can give you if you just bow down to me. Power and control. And Jesus again answers with scripture, and that moves us to the third temptation, and Satan is becoming very crafty and very deceitful in trying to derail this mission of Christ to the cross. And he says, for it is written, this is Satan twisting scripture. It is written that nothing shall hurt you. So why don't you throw yourself down and the angels will catch you, Jesus. And we hear once again, Jesus quoting scripture, you should not put your Lord, your God to the test. What Satan is trying to do, the common thread in the actual text we have this morning is Satan is trying to derail that mission of Christ to the cross, and he's trying to take the suffering out of Jesus's life so he wouldn't have to go through Good Friday that would lead him to Easter and the resurrection. In this third temptation, Satan is saying, Jesus, It is written in scripture, nothing will hurt you. Why should you have to go through this dying and this agony on the cross? You can avoid that. You're the son of God. And we know Jesus stays laser focused and he goes to that cross for all of us and rises again. For all of us. This is his journey that begins here on the first Sunday of Lent as he prepares and approaches the suffering of Good Friday. And he also meets us today, all these years later, in our journey towards the cross and sharing that with him in our spiritual life and suffering to this very day. Let's hold those temptations up in our lives as well. If I asked you, are you using something good? Or is there something in your life that is meant for good that you actually have put as ultimate? And the place where God is supposed to be in your life, and yet you put something, hold it up higher, 
ultimate in your life. Now, for an example of that is success. From young age all the way up to older age, if we put the pursuit of success, what happens when we put something ultimate, we, everything else falls underneath it, and it can lead to our destruction and even to death. Success, money, we all need money to survive, especially in this day and age, and the pursuit of money for that is not a bad thing. But if you put it as ultimate in your life, everything you exist for, your being, all your time, and even your relationships become about that ultimate pursuit. For me, you've, you've been hearing me preaching. If it's a first time or a number of times, you know I like to mention football as an illustration for a lot of different things in sermons and other teachings. But at one point, I had to see a very painful, I was making sport. And my love for that sport, I had put it ultimate in my life. Something which brings me joy and was meant for good. Instead of spending time with God, it was going to look at football-related things. Instead of times with my wife, football. Instead of time with my kids, you see where I'm going. I have put something I love as ultimate in the place where God should be. I fell many times, not just in that example, for that temptation. Leads us to the second temptation. What in your life do you make ultimate that you currently have now? And the second temptation, control and ultimate power. In your relationships with other people, you have probably experienced trying to have control and power over them. Once in my young, eight years ago when I was married to Ashley, our honeymoon lasted a fairly long time and was fantastic as newlyweds. And then I found out very quickly about this control and the struggle with trying to have power over someone. About three years in, I had to become real with myself and I had the PowerPoint put together of everything that Ashley was doing wrong. I had it in my mind, ready to go. Here's all the things you're doing wrong, and then here's how we can fix them. And of course, I was trying to have power and control over her. And during a season of Lent, I came to realize that's God-level stuff. I can ask her and maybe even have a temporary success in changing a little of her behavior, but I was asking nothing in return for myself, not seeing my own imperfection and my own brokenness and realizing I can't control hearts. Not the control, I can't control the heart of my wife, the heart of my children, the heart of anyone else. That is God's business. And I have to, all I can do is press into God and pray that I can love people the way He loves people. The heart is a very different thing. And giving up control and power was a very freeing thing in my life and especially in my marriage with Ashley. Now, as we consider all of that in our lives and with those first two temptations, you're probably reaching a point that if you're being honest with yourself, you probably don't like the person that's looking back at you in the mirror. 
in your spiritual mirror, as you consider the things that are ultimate currently in your life and the ways in which you have wrestled for control and power over other people or in areas of life. Well, in this journey of Lent, as we join Jesus on the way to his cross and ultimately the new creations we become on Easter, this third temptation comes into play where Satan is trying to talk Jesus out. You don't have to go to your cross. You don't have to do that. Well, yes, he did. Because when we're honest with ourselves, we are broken and sinful people. And these things we put ultimate in our lives, the things we want to control and have power over, they lead us to our destruction. But this is the grace of of Christ, That as we are honest in our Lenten disciplines, whatever you have given up, whatever you have fasted from, or whatever you have taken on, a prayer life, more service, or getting into the scripture, or even if you didn't do anything for Lent, if you gave that up, all of it, <laughs> all of that is to point us to the cross of Christ to the journey of the suffering of Good Friday as we consider the suffering in our own lives, both the things that have been done to us and both the things we have done to others in return. This third temptation is about staying comfortable and playing it safe. And maybe we can just say, well, I gave up chocolate for Lent and bang our chest about the minuscule thing we did for a time in our own power. This journey of Lent asks us to go deeper, to reveal our true selves, our hearts, and our desperate need and connection with the cross of our Savior, Christ. This is what the journey is all about. That third temptation is to say, I'll just do a few things just to show that I'm doing something. But on as we progress into this journey of Lent, may the grace and the mercy of Christ find you. May you be honest about who you are and where you are. And may Christ, if you did or not, that black cross of ashes that went on your head last Wednesdays, if you were here or not, and what that symbolizes in this journey of Lent daily. May the gr grace of Christ find you as Jesus is finding you with the blood-soaked rag and wiping that clean dying to yourself and becoming a new creation as we prepare for this season. Let Easter not sneak up for on you and may this season of Lent bless you as you realize where you are and whose you are and because of the cross, what that means for all of us. I bid you all a powerful Lenten season. Amen.